It is Cole here of the Steel Guitar Podcast. Hope you guys are doing well. And today is our 20th episode, man. Wow, I, I never thought that necessarily that I wouldn't get here. It's just I never would have got here as fast as I did. Like Josh Turner once famously said, I got here as fast as I could, right? <laughs> um, Dude, it's been kind of a wild ride here last month and a little bit. And uh, progressing pretty far into it. Just got the shop opened, the merch shop. I got my samples in today. The hats look amazing. The shirts look really good, and the sweatshirts feel amazing. They're very warm. I would recommend them for a summer day, really. It's uh, pretty extremely warm. But I'm wearing one right now, actually, trying to see how it feels, and it feels really comfortable. Um, it'll feel a lot better, of course, in the wash. Get that detergent and stuff. Makes it smell real nice. But today is the 20th episode, and as I promised, today will be a Q&A. Um, I've had a few questions, not entirely a lot, but as I get more, I'll add to this recording. And we're going to go from there. So, first question comes from somebody that's very important to me. It's from my mom. She actually posted a question. And honestly, I feel like this is the most fair question and the most, like, I guess, baseline question that you could ever ask. But yet, it's so hard is who's your favorite artist and why? I always feel like that's a loaded question because everybody goes through stages in life where a certain artist may hit a little bit different in their life. Sometimes Cody Jinks might be my man when I'm having, you know, a little bit of a good time. And then Ward Davis on the other side, whenever I'm having one of those really dull months, Ward Davis might be one of those guys. And, of course, Josh Turner has a special place in my heart, and so does Rodney Atkins growing up. Um, so it's really hard to choose a particular artist. I sit here and I think, I thought, I haven't conquered. And I guess I'll have to just take the cheesy way out and give you a couple. Um, for just being overall, like, 100% most of the time, I can never really go wrong with some Cody Jinx. I always enjoy me some Cody Jinx. Because his variety of music in his albums, it's not just the same stuff every single album. It's not just sadness, sadness, sadness. It's a little bit of happy sadness, uh, lone songs, but no like partying songs, which I'm, I'm great with. I'm not a big partier, obviously, as you can tell. Um, Cody's probably my number one. And the reason I say his number one is, A, he got me back into country music when I was about to be essentially done with it. I was about chalked up with it because I didn't want to hear any more of the uh, stuff that was coming off Music Row. But if we're talking about prestigious artists, like artists that are well-known, I would say Alan Jackson's probably my favorite artist of all time. Um, being growing up mainly in, you know, the 2000s. I was born in 98, so I wasn't really there for most of Alan's luxurious days, his glorious days, but... 
I've always heard his music because he was always big in the 90s. He was played in the 2000s a lot. And uh, I remember that my mom had the Good Time, Good Time, had the Good Time album. And Sissy's song used to always play and always used to hit a little bit different because it's just one of those songs that you don't hear on the radio, but my gosh, man, it has uh, that deep meaning. And that's what kind of made me chase listening to albums and going through albums and hearing different songs that you wouldn't necessarily hear all the time because, you know, they don't play everything on the radio from every particular person, but some songs just hit a little bit different for you. And that's why deep diving into albums and discographies can be very fruitful. It can be very enlightening in a way. Cody, Allen, and if we're talking about like the OGs, I mean... Most people would say Johnny Cash, and I do love some Johnny Cash. Johnny Cash is really good in my mind. But, I don't know, it's just something about Merle Haggard, man, that uh, always hit me a little bit different. Um, it's hard to go wrong for any of those in that era, but hearing Silver Wings, man, every time I hear Silver Wings, I'm like, gosh, man, I love that song. Still a crime that song never made it to number one. But, I have so many artists that I listen to day by day. Um, it's a kind of a crazy time when it's listening to artists because I can listen to multiple genres, but when it comes to country music, I listen to multiple people in the genre and it gets kind of discombobulated because some days I will like to listen to like Brian Martin, for instance, or I would like to listen to, uh, David Allen Coe, or I like to listen to Alan Jackson, or I like to listen to George Strait and then it's to Cody Jinks. Then it might be to Ward Davis, and then it might be Josh Morningstar. Then it might be, you know, insert all the other artists. It's just a pinball machine of just constantly going back and forth. So that's kind of where I'm at with artists. So I appreciate that question, Mom. I love you, and uh, thank you for your insightful question where I had to actually sit there and talk about a few of the artists that impacted me so much in my life. But, uh, yeah. So the second question that I have is... Why do we call it country music where every country has music? That's uh, one question that I got from my friend Josh in California, which is a interesting question in itself because, I mean, if you sit here and think about it, you can think of it from two different avenues, right? You have country music as every country has, you know, music. And why is it called country music? Well, that's just a deeper, like, broader question of, like, well, every country does have music, yes, and I'm talking like actual countries like United States, Canada, but why is ours called country music? Well, it's not really that first avenue, it's that second avenue of country being like rural area. And every single place has a rural area. I mean, if you don't have farming, you don't have crops, you don't have food, therefore you die because you have to eat, believe it or not, and you can only eat you know, certain things, so much meat in your life without, you know, dying, even though I do love me some meat. Um, one thing about that question is, yes, country music, there's countries everywhere, and when I mean by countries, I mean like country areas in every single civilization, because it's, there's, it's just there, man, and that is what I feel like kind of we can play on the podcast a little bit more is I can actually go about and search up different country music cultures and of course there's that language barrier for me so that would be the tough part about it 
but then sitting there and learning how our country music here in America compares to country music in other countries. However, the reason that we call it country music is just that. It's centered around being in the country, in the rural area. So therefore, farming, tractors, um, there's just a culture around being Southern. And being Southern isn't necessarily a thing where it's a geographical thing, right? There is the rural areas geographically, like the South, prestigiously, uh, West Virginia, South Carolina, North Carolina, Missouri, Louisiana, uh, Florida. I, some people would consider Florida because Florida's just a wild card, man. Y'all are amazing. I've been to Florida, and every time I go to Florida, it's just like a whole bunch of just... It's like if you take... I have a little shaker of my uh, drink right here, as you can hear. And it's like you take all the elements of just being a united country and all like all kinds of different policies and philosophies and stuff, and you just shake it up, man. I mean, and then you open it up, and that's you got Florida. Florida is just crazy, and I always enjoy going to Florida because it's just a different atmosphere down there. Uh, can't say anything about living there because I've been down there for like a couple weeks at a time, maybe, and it just always seems like a very interesting place to be. And plus, there's amazing fishing there, of course, in the ocean and in the ponds and even in the freaking ditches on the side of the road, I've seen people pull out a rod and fish in the ditches on the side of the road, pulling out largemouth and peacock bass and stuff. It's really cool. But every single state, even in America, has rural areas. Some are a lot smaller than others, but we do have rural areas. And being rural is just that. That is the country part. It's not about being southern, about being southern cultured, if that makes sense. So... It's kind of an interesting question. I appreciate that question, Josh. That was very insightful one for me to think about and actually talk about to the viewers. The next question comes from a question off Instagram from Austin. And Austin today, he's actually a friend as well, but Austin actually asked the question on Instagram, so I want to introduce him as Austin from Instagram. He asked me the following question, right? He said, how would you measure success in country music when certain artists won't hit it big on the radio? This is a very interesting question, right? And I would say that measuring success isn't just all about record sales. And I would say majority of the time, being on the radio equals selling records. And selling records does not equate of being real, necessarily country, right? Anybody, I actually shared a uh, real on my Instagram story the other day of someone that was essentially making fun of the extent of writing country music, right? Writing country music because you can write country music in a certain formula and it equates to success on the uh, central sales of a album and then the sales of the album essentially equates to being on the radio. And being on the radio doesn't necessarily mean you're successful. It just means that you're successful at selling your records. Being successful is, of course, an opinionated thing. And I think deeming being successful is, especially in country music, is A, you are authentic. You are yourself. You are not trying to act like somebody that you aren't. And I will say that, I will say most of people on Music Road today that are producing music for the face value of it being popular are not themselves. They're not authentic. 
And you can kind of tell that when it comes to the songwriting because there's not much going into that, right? There's not much soul that's going into their writing. So that's one thing that I will say. First, I think the second principle of success is just that, being successful at people liking your songs. So I will say that we have the traditionals, right? Us traditionals do not like mainstream country music that comes off. The people that like mainstream country music tend to also like the traditional stuff that's coming out, right? There's that, there's, they like both sides. So I would say if you can, if you can uh, essentially get the traditionalists that love country music and listen to country music to enjoy your music, that you've done something right and you are closer to being successful. Number three, I feel like when it all comes to a head, if you are making the music that you love, the music about you, and the music that other people can relate to and feel and actually have emotion other than just doing pointless like driving around in a truck, I'm drunk, you know, whatever. Yes, that's a part of country music, but that's not making people feel, man. Is the freaking song, man. song about, at the end, you got mama being drunk, got run over by a train. That is making fun of what people think that country music's about. Because that's not what it's about. It's not about just prison. It's not about getting drunk. It's not about trains. It's not about mama and daddy. It's about being you, authentic, country, rural, whatever. That's what it's about. And if you can be successful selling out concert venues, even if it's small little concert halls, if people come listen to your music in general, and people can relate to your music, I feel like that's the most important part, is if they can relate to your music, and you do something impactful in people's lives, being able to help them in some avenue and way, that, that is being successful. That is the true root of successful music. Not just country music, just music in general. So, thank you, Austin. This next question is a doozy. And this one's sent by someone I went to school with. His name is Josh. He's always been a real big country fan. Me and him's always rode down the road and listened to some country music, and he likes listening to a variety, we'll say. And Josh asked this question, and it's a very insightful question, right? Each decade we see a transition in music, and this is true, in every genre. And him and other people say that 90s country music is the gold standard of what country music should sound like. So... I will stop right there. Everybody's golden era or their golden standard of what country music sounds like is different. I will say vast I will say vast majority of people do believe that the 90s is the golden era, but that's because most people that grew up in the 2000 2010s, the 90s would be the best era of country music. But then you have people that grew up in the 90s and 2000s, or just the 90s, that might say 80s is. And then 80s might say the 70s and the 60s are. And then before that, the 20s and the 30s. Everybody's opinion on the gold standard of country music is different. The most universal answer that I've ever heard is the outlaw movement. 
However, that is just what it is. A gold standard is an opinionated term. The golden era, right? I think, in regards to popularity, sure, the 90s is probably the peak of country music. To be what it sounds like solely, I don't think so. Not necessarily. But that is an interesting point to bring up. So he has three parts to this question, A, B, and C, right? What do you find different from today's music versus the 90s? Okay, well, I could sit here for a decade and pretty much answer that question. What's one positive thing about today's music versus the 90s? That's one question that I will struggle to find an answer for. And what's one negative thing about today's music versus the 90s? Again, I could speak about this forever. So let's hit number one, point A. What do you find different from today's music versus the 90s? So today's music, if we are talking about what's coming off Music Row in regards to the 90s, there is a lot more production value, a lot more influences to hip-hop and pop. Uh, I credit that mainly to country rap and how country raps kind of introduced itself into the genre. And country raps kind of got more of the hip-hop and the pop sound to it, and it's kind of influenced music in general. And I will say that this era seems to really gravitate towards pop music more. And I feel like that's why music's kind of conformed to more pop sounds is because they they want to sound more popish because that's what sells. I also find the people that are singing music a lot different these days. It's not your typical you know, bearded 30 to 40 year old man or 20 to 30 year old man. You have all kinds of variety of people singing. And that's not a bad thing or a good thing. But that's another thing that I find different is auto-tune. Auto-tune seems to be one thing that I would find that I hear a lot more of. And of course, I would say auto-tune's probably been used before in regards to balancing people's voices. But it's got to the point where sometimes in certain songs, people sound more robotic than they actually sound like themselves. And that's really getting away from what country music is, and that's being the authentic self that people should be in their music. So, Part B, what is one thing that you find uh, better, essentially? It does take me a hot minute to sit here and think about this. What is one thing that would be better today than back then and I will say my mom threw out one answer so I will give you her side of what she said and then I will give you my side of what I think my mom said that it's a lot easier to be accepted for whoever you are whatever you are whoever you are whatever and I will say yes Absolutely, 100%. I agree on that front because, listen, there's a lot of people in country music today that wouldn't be necessarily accepted back in the day. For instance, my mom gave the point of Jelly Roll, and my mom's a big Jelly Roll fan, and like I said, no opinion, not listen to him, whatever. The way that Jelly Roll looks, essentially like the face tattoos and stuff like that, I don't necessarily think that he would have fit in back in the 90s. Because the 90s had, especially, like, if you look at, like, the three people, when I think of 90s country music, I think of Garth, I think of George Strait, and I think of Alan Jackson. I also think of, like, Tim McGraw and Kenny Chesney, but those are, like, the three that I think of off the top of my head. And 
every time I see them, I see the cowboy hat. I see, you know, the trim beard, like the goatee. Have, like, sideburns. Not like, you know, not like uh, freaking Ricky Bobby sideburns. But, like, just, you know what I'm talking about. That look. Cowboy boots. A pearl snap shirt. Blue jeans. And a belt. With a buckle on it. Jelly Roll would not quite fit into that. And I would also say people like Cody Jinks may not necessarily fit into that era because, I mean, if you've ever seen Cody, he has a buttload of tattoos on his hand. And I think tattoos are really cool. I don't think I could pull them off, but there's a lot of people that could pull them motherfuckers off, man, and they look absolutely sick. But if you didn't have that appearance of being country, you kind of been, like, sh- I don't know, pushed out. And then my side of it is, I think it's a lot easier not to be popular, but it's a lot easier to get your music out there because you have platforms such as Spotify, you have Apple Music, you have YouTube, you have all kinds of different avenues that you can go and record yourself and you can post up your music and people can find you. Other people can recommend you. You have Instagram, you have Facebook, you got all kinds of social platforms where you can reach out and build connections of other artists, go tour with other artists. People can find you. Back in the 90s, it wasn't that easy. People either heard you in concert and they liked you, or they heard you on the radio when you made a record and liked you, or if somehow they got a random album from somebody they can figure out they liked you that way. The accessibility of being able to find people these days is absolutely amazing. I can find people across the world playing country music. And one instance that I will say, and this is just one guy that I've not talked about on the podcast before, but I really do like his music, is his name is Gabe Lee. And I would have never, ever heard of this man if... Spotify didn't exist. Spotify recommends a lot of artists to me, a shuffle aspect. I don't listen to like the radios that are on there, but somehow his music came up after like my playlist ended. It started doing like a recommended shuffle after that, and I found him. I'm like, this guy sounds pretty cool, and I listened to one of his albums. I'm like, this dude's really, really good. And he doesn't fit that natural, traditional country music mold in the 90s. So when we come to like... The music itself, which we'll get to, to the worst parts, which is the second part, part C, or the third part, part C. I think everything is no, no, no. I think my main complaint with country music now compared to the 90s is just that is the songs don't hold the values of what country music is, the soul is not there for me. Like, Chris Stapleton, absolutely. Luke Combs, sure. But, like, if we're talking about 90% of what's coming off music, grow, there's no soul to the music, there's no heart to the music, and there's just nothing there. It's empty words to me. And that's my main complaint with modern-day country music or what you... Country pop, bro country, whatever. There's just too much nothingness there they put a really fancy beat they put a little rapping behind the the chorus 
and they put in a whole bunch of elements that they would consider country music, and boom, there you go. That's where you're at. This one comes from my boy Blake that me and my, I mean my boy, I mean we've been homies ever since essentially I ever went to school, man. Me and him have been friends, let's see, I am going to be 25 in a couple weeks. Actually, by the time this podcast comes out, I may already be 25, so woohoo, I'm getting old, boys and girls. I'm getting excited. I can't wait till you know, I hit 30, and I'm like, well, so I got maybe 30 years left. This is great. <laughs> but uh, me and Blake's been friends for a long time. I would say close to 21, 22 years, um, and he asked the question, and this is a really good one. Uh, do you see country music as a whole going back towards traditional values or seeing it trend more towards pop country as a whole? So this is almost like a worst nightmare question, right? And the current trend that I'm seeing, you know, if we're talking about sales-wise, it would look like pop music. It kind of sucks to say that, but... That's the way that it's trending right now. But if there's anything that I've learned from history is things always tend to turn on its head eventually. Um, for instance, like po politics, right? Democrats and Republicans, they're just names of parties. Like you had the Whigs and stuff essentially before that. But their policies have always been changing like before democrats actually used to be conservative and republicans used to be the liberal ones and that eventually changes after a certain amount of time and i will say music mirrors that sometimes because for instance when country music became what it is it, i mean at the beginning it was folk and then we kind of popularized it more to rock and roll-esque right and then it went through like a little bit of a pop stage and then it went back to like outlaw music and now it went to like more upbeat in the 90s and it kind of held that line of neo-traditional in 2000s and now we're kind of in this weird stage of where it's at and through it all there's always been artists that have been keeping it real keeping it authentic keeping it authentic is a really important part of what country music is and i see as a whole i will say eventually maybe five, ten years down the road, hopefully sooner than that, because I'm seeing a lot of momentum build because a lot of people are tired of what's coming out on Music Row today. We are starting. We are starting to essentially make that turn that I feel that is such needed. And maybe some of those pop country singers will start conforming to what, it's becoming more and more popular, and we might have that evolution of what country music is, what it actually should be. And I will say that people like Luke Bryan, I know I crap on Luke Bryan all the time, guys. I, I know I do, because he's just the one that I think of, especially growing up and having to be forced to Country Girl Shake It To Me by Blake. Not by Blake, by Luke Bryan in Blake's car, because he used to, oh my god. Luke Bryan, when he sings country music, actual country music, he sounds amazing. His covers of actual country music is very, very good. And I don't see why 
we can't just write songs like that and we're good. And the problem is majority of country artists do not write their own songs. They get their songs written by somebody else, which isn't necessarily a bad thing. But if they're getting their songwriting from someone that listens to pop country or is a pop essential artist, like T-Pain said that he was like the ghostwriter of most country music at one point. I mean, talk about haunting. And I have nothing wrong with T-Pain. But just saying in general, that's just not the right person to be writing those songs. If you want someone that actually knows how to write a really good country song today, look at someone like Chris Tableton, Josh Morningstar, Cody, Brian Martin, all kinds of different people who use their lives, essentially bleed on the page. It's, their ink is them, and they're putting the words of their blood, or the blood of their words, either way you want to look at it, onto the page, and then singing that for everybody. That is why we are where we're at, is they're using someone else's blood for their songs so thank you Blake for that question you are a pretty smart man sometimes <laughs> now I have another question from my boy um, I call him RJ the raccoon because uh, back in the day when we were in college he always said that he was a raccoon he identified as a raccoon because he would just be like a trash panda but his name is Spence he asked me the question what do I feel about traditional country music artists today. He named a few. He named Cody Jean, Tyler Childers, and Zach Bryan as his three. How do I feel about them currently in country music and how they're going about doing things? Well, I mean, honestly, these are the artists that I talk about majority of the time when I'm not talking about the old school guys. These are the guys that are continue country music the way it should be. The way it should be, what it's going to be hopefully in the future, and hopefully We'll have that evolution back to what country music was, and we're going to progress back to what it is. But if you're asking my honest opinion on how they're doing, well, they're doing freaking great. And the reason that they're doing great, in my opinion, is A, they are true to themselves. They don't fake who they are. They don't come up to the stage and act like they are country. They are country. They are the embodiment of their songs because they write their own songs. They have actual emotions in their songs. And therefore, the songs actually have a meaning to them. And you can feel it when they sing. That is the first most part of how I think they're doing. In regards to popularity, I've been seeing a massive rise of people flocking for a better term, I guess. Because, uh, I mean, if you really think about it, Cody's freaking fan base, man, has been growing way, 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 way up since I started listening to him. And that's one thing that I've always sat there and thought about is, you know, I was one of the OGs or the cool. It, when I listened to Cody when it was cool, and no, it's always been cool. And that's one thing that I would say for people that do listen to traditional country music, the neo-traditional style of it. If you have an artist that you really like, please share them. Get their name out there. Therefore, it will might, just might, reach somebody that needs to hear that music, and you might change your life. And that's, I think when you dole it all down, 
to the end of the day, the what they're doing and how they're doing, they are changing lives. They really are. Their songs mean something. And they have that influence over them. So, Spencer, thank you for asking that question. And honestly, man, I think they're doing a great job. And I think that a lot more artists are starting to come up because of that. And they're also supporting those artists who are like that, like them, and touring with them and getting their name out there, man. Because before you know it, we might have country music back to what it used to be. We might be there. We just got to keep keeping the nose on the grind song, as Warren Zeters once famously said in one of his songs. Another guy that's amazing. So, yeah. That is the answer to Sir Spencer's question. Next question, or two questions, comes from my boy Anthony. Lives kind of near me. We've been friends since high school. Um, I went to an early college, so really not technically high school, I guess. Me and him were pretty good friends. We talked about basketball and stuff. Been through some stuff together. And he's wrote in and asked me several questions where... A whole bunch of them are really good questions that I may use in future episodes, but for this one, I believe we're going to choose two. He gave me like ten, so, my God. <laughs> like, chill, man. Nah, I'm cool. I'm, I'm glad you're asking these questions because it helps me kind of know the direction that I may need to go into in regards to the podcast. So, thank you so much for listening intently every week and being here. And so, he asked the question, okay... If I could have a dream concert that I could go to, who and what would it be? You gotta think about all the years of country music. All the intellectuals, all the amazing songwriters. Oh my god. There, there's too many to make this concert happen, right? So, first of all, I think this is going to have to be a festival. And we'll put them all in like different... I don't know, man. Let's see here. Different time periods or different uh, people. Different eras. So, first era that I'm going to do, I'm going to do the outlaw era. So, I think that Johnny Cash has to be one, for sure. Cash has to be one. With all the amazing songs that he's produced, helped written. And if you include Johnny... You might have June there with him, so you get two for one in that regard, right? Because, you know, she's probably going to be following him around, the prime era of Johnny Cash. So, definitely Cash number one. Merle Haggard has to be my number two, man. Um, Merle's wrote so many great songs over the years. He's sung an amazing amount of them as well. Uh, Silver Wings being probably my personal favorite, but there's so many. So many hidden gems in his catalog. So, Cash and Merle, for sure, man. Um, pro- Probably have to put Willie in there. Of course, Willie Nelson. Right, Willie Nelson. Waylon. So, that's my four. Of course, Waylon and Willie kind of go together, but I'm, since they're two headliners, I'm going to put them as separate. Then, I'll probably... That fifth slot's going to be the hard part, because there's so many... Great singers, great minds, like Christofferson, man, one of the best songwriters of all time. But if this is a concert, and we're going for pure, like, pure outlaw, I gotta go David Allen Coe, man. 
I have to I have to because he's able to be that hybrid of a really good singer and songwriter. I'm gonna roll with David Allen Coe. So that's my first night at the festival. Second night, I'm gonna do like seventies and back. So of course, Hank Williams Senior man has to be there. Hank Williams, and then I would say probably uh, man. It's really hard. George Jones, for sure, has to be there. I'm going to say Jimmy Rogers, since he was the grand pioneer of everything. I feel like he deserves to be in that spot. Um, I would consider Charlie Pride to be in there, in that era, for sure. So I got Hank Williams Sr., George Jones, Jimmy Rogers, Charlie Pride... Oh, man, I'm going through the 60s and the 50s, the 40s, and the 30s all in my head, and there's just too many people to sit here and choose for that. But if I'm choosing a top five for that, man, oh, my God. I mean, Ernest Tubb comes to my mind. Um, I'll tell you what, this one's going to be kind of a reach, but I'm going to put Patsy Cline in there. I feel like Patsy definitely deserves to be in there. I definitely need at least one female singer in the lineup. And I could probably do a whole night of female singers in its own regard, but I'm just going to do that. So the third night's going to be the 90s. So people that are really big in the 90s. So I'm going to go George Strait for sure. Alan Jackson. So those are my two. Right off the rip. Uh, I'm going to go Toby Keith, man. I, I feel like Toby Keith puts on a great performance. Um, he may not be the most musically gifted in regards to voice these days because, of course, he just went through cancer. Since this is my own t- personal top five, I'm probably going to have to put Tim McGraw in there. Tim McGraw is probably one of my all-time favorites. Um, I'm trying to think... Alright, this is kind of a wild one. And I don't know if you consider 90s or 80s or what, but man, Dwight Yoakam, one of my favorites of all time. Dwight freaking Yoakam. So, fourth era would be like early 2000s for me, and Josh Turner has to be there, man. He got me into country music, so it's only right that he would be in this uh, metaphorical uh, festival, right? All right, Josh Turner for sure. Um, Billy Curlington for sure. And Rodney Atkins, probably those three that I can think of off the top of my head. Brad Paisley for sure. I love Brad Paisley. I don't, a lot of the newer stuff, I haven't really listened to much of his newer stuff, but like his early 2000s stuff is amazing. Um, so that's my four out of that regard, and then a fifth is going to be, probably going to go, personally, I think I would go with uh, Brooks and Dunn. I love Brooks and Dunn. That would equal that out for me. And then we have the current era, or the neo-traditional era, the newer artists. So Cody, number one, Absolutely. No doubt in my mind, Cody Jinx would be my number one. Oh, Lord, though. Um, 
Mm. Josh Morningstar. I really love Josh Morningstar, what he brings to the table. He's very uh, charismatic, a little bit different, and it would be definitely a different show up there for everybody to see. Um, Ward. Got to go Ward Davis for sure. And then I have like a slot. These last two slots, man, are so tough. So tough. Um, There's so many good artists that you could put in these last two spots. I think I'd throw the Steelwoods in there. I think I would for sure. Steelwoods put on an amazing show. And from what I see, to end it all up, for me, this is a personal pick. Casper McWade for sure. But if there's a sixth spot, I would probably say Warren Zeters. Warren Zeters has a very uh, charismatic voice and he's amazing in person. But I think Casper McWade for the personal um, stuff that I have with his music, I think that's what I would go with. So that is my festival of five days, five artists a day. And that's not including openers, but, you know, it's that's just my, my dream booking, man. If I could go to a, a festival five days, that's what I would do. All right, so which country music songs do you think have become anthems or symbols of country music? So there's so many songs that could fit in this category, absolutely. So number de uno, I think uh, Take This Job and Shove It, that hold that high regard because the relatability for, like, the blue-collar worker that listens to country music... I feel like that has to be up there. And uh, that's one thing about the, the country classic series. I guess is I am choosing a lot of those songs. Um, Let's see. Lord Have Mercy on the Working Man. I feel like that's definitely a uh, anthem of the people, the blue collar people. Um, Courtesy of the Red, White, and Blue by Toby Keith. I would say that one's most definitely. <laughs> that's like bleeds Red, White, and Blue. And then if you're going like... Older eras, man. I would say probably... I Walk the Line's probably one of those staples about being true to your southern values of marital commitment, I guess. That would be a good one. I would say Friends in Low Places. That's a, definitely a anthem of the South. Talking about how we all have friends that aren't necessarily like high up there, but they're good friends true to their value. Uh, Country Roads Take Me Home by John Denver, that's probably one of the most popularized country songs of all time. So when someone says, what is country? Take Me Home, Country Roads is usually one. And uh, there's a lot of people that's covered that. And that's one that really does talk about that you can never truly get away from that metaphorical physical home because you always find your way back home regardless of where you go so even in the metaphorical or the physical sense so when i think of anthems i'm thinking of like songs that encompasses what country music is right like what is that song those songs that you hear that are like okay that's country music because of it follows that criteria not necessarily that uh Oh, uh, All My Exes Live in Texas by George Strait. Absolutely. And on top of that, Mama Tried by Merle Haggard. I feel like that is one. That's one that I would probably throw up there. So I'm going to probably hang it at that. I think those are some good songs. The majority of them are 90s and 80s. So my bad on that. But, uh, you know, I also will say Country Boy by Aaron Lewis. 
talk about a song that talks about being just that country. So that's a really good one to end it on. I would say that almost puts it to the T of what country music is and what it should be. So especially the version that has George Jones as the devil. It's a very interesting uh, piece. So thank you, Anthony, for the questions. I appreciate it, man, and I uh, hope I answered them at least decently. So, all right. So I have one last question here, and uh, I opened this Q and A essentially to anybody. Um, it was on my Instagram story. So if you guys are not following me on Instagram or Facebook, it's in the link tree down below in the description of the podcast. Make sure to follow those for little fun clips and reels from concerts I've went to and whatnot. So uh, actually going to a Thomas Rhett concert tomorrow. Um, sure you guys will hear a podcast about the experience there and kind of talk about my essential diving into the enemy lines, right? So I wouldn't say Thomas Rhett's necessarily a traditional, neo-traditional country singer by any means, but I'm going to jump in there and see, you know, kind of what's going on. What is there there for people to enjoy. Like what what's there? So we're gonna see about that. Now, the last question comes from Christian. And essentially he threw the freaking reverse Uno car at me from our episode. If you've listened to episode thirteen, I do believe it is, um, about the Josh Morningstar and Brother Wilson concert. I asked him this same question. And this is not the universal question of the podcast because it's too broad. And I answered that Kind of, sort of, in episode one. But, episode 13, I asked Christian if there is one country song that embodies country music to you. Who is it? Who is it by? And why that particular song? So he said, alright, not not to be that kind of guy, but I'm going to be that guy. And ask you the exact same question, which is... I mean, I'm not trying to, you know, puff my chest out or anything and say this, but it's a good question. It really is. It's one of those deeper questions that you sit here and think about, like, okay, yeah, I could uh, I could hear that. I can see that. And that question really takes a lot of sitting there and thinking about. And thankfully, I have had majority of the day to sit there and think about it because I he gave me the question this morning and... Like I said, I've read these questions and been answering them on the fly pretty much except for this one. And the song, I guess, for me, that embodies country music, it's very hard to choose because you have your favorite songs. you got songs that have the essentially the three cornerstones, pillars of country music. A couple that, like, there's a couple of them that I think about. He Stopped Loving Her Today by George Jones is one that I think about to this day. Because that's such a deep song. And very heartbreaking song, absolutely. Ring of Fire and I Walk the Line are the other two that come to my mind. And all three of them will be in the Country Classics uh, Essential Podcast. So I hope you guys have been keeping up with that series. It's been an enjoyable series to dive into. The country songs that made country music what it is today. And I'm going to just, I'm going to go with, I got to say, I Walked the Line. And there's a couple reasons why. So, of course, there's not really the heartbreak there, but there's that potential for it to be if you don't walk that line. And I feel like 
there's multiple ways you can look at that song. You can look at it from the baseline of I Walk the Line. <laughs> baseline. Like a that's that's pretty bad. It's a pretty bad joke. Um you can look at it from essentially the principle of what it's talking about is I walk the physical line or the metaphorical line of this love. I do everything right because the woman that I love is just that, the woman I love and adore. Then you can look at it from like the southern way of thinking about things because we as southerners in in the United States specifically, I can't really speak to Canada or Mexico, the United States in the southern region in rural areas of states that are, you know, not necessarily rural states, say like an Ohio, like an Ohio farmer or something like that, which I don't know, it's more like a Seattle, like a Seattle farmer, right? And my principle of it is sitting here thinking, it could be like I walk the actual line of being righteous and being, you know, holding myself high, holding my standards high, and there's so many ways you can look at that song. So I like it for that aspect of it. And on top of that, it is literally the most sold single of all time, most streamed, whatever. Uh, it sold the most records, essentially. And to think that a song back then still outsells songs that have come out in the modern day and age where A, there's more people, B, there's more ways to buy the music, and C, there's more avenues to... Uh, I don't know, get your name out there than just the radio. To think that that song is sold that much is mind-numbing. I'm sitting here thinking about it and saying, you know, it's got to be there for me. It's either that or Ring of Fire, and I think I walk the line because it has that prestigious uh, sales, which I know country music's all not about the sales, or it's not all about the selling of the albums and stuff. It's about the actual meaning of the songs, but to have... The meaning that the song does or not many people that know country music that don't know what I Walk the Line is. Because there's literally a freaking movie about Johnny Cash called I Walk the Line. Great movie. Um, but, you know, it's it's one of the most iconic songs out there. And, of course, being the most iconic has that Americana value around it. So, therefore, I feel like that would be the one that I would choose to be the embodiment of country music. And I don't think there's necessarily a right or a wrong answer to that. That's just how I view it. Anybody else could view it a different way. So thank you, Christian, for, well, thank you for reiterating my question of myself, uh, essentially giving the reverse Uno card. And that's going to conclude the Q&A, the questions, and then the answers by yours truly. Cole, this has been Of The Still Guitar Podcast. Thank you guys so much so much for 20 episodes for over 500 downloads for being here listening hopefully being able to escape whatever you have going on in your life and sit here enjoy and talk about country music and i always say if you guys do not mind if you haven't please reach out to me let me know how i'm doing it's a simple email simple instagram message whatever you need to do whatever way that you can communicate I would really appreciate the feedback. Of course, you guys leaving the Spotify reviews and the Apple Podcast reviews, thank you so much. have a lot of cool stuff coming up. Um, I have a few potentially interested guests. Uh, I don't know. It's really hard to get guests on here because there's 
so much that you have to do to get in order to uh, schedule, right? Because you have a schedule yourself. Artists are always on the road, so there's never really almost any free time. On top of that, you know, that free time, they wouldn't want to spend with their families and stuff. There's not much time for sitting down and being like, okay, I'd like to talk to you about this. Which I perfectly understand, but I do have a couple of people interested on coming in the podcast, which is awesome, and I really, really hope that goes well. I hope I can get at least one of them in in the next few episodes, but I have some stacked up already recorded that are really, really good. I'm looking really forward to the ones that I'm putting out, especially my next deep dive discography on a newer artist. It's going to be great, guys, so thank you so much. All my links are in the link tree in the description. It's got the Spotify playlist for the Country Classic. It's got the podcast link for every single available uh, platform. Apple Podcasts, you know, go down the line, it's there. On top of that, it's got the merch store. And the merch store is there for just, you know, if someone wants to support me in another fashion, it's there. And... Your main support that I appreciate is your feedback, commitment every two days a week to come listen to me, man. It means a lot to me, and I appreciate every single one of you guys because you guys are what's keeping country music alive. I always say keep country music alive, and if we really deep dive into that uh, central question or remark, the reason that country music is still alive is because we, as people, do not want to lose it because it means so much to us. There's a reason why this music hasn't died. There, the traditional sense is a dying art, you would say, but it's starting to look like it's going to be on the up climb here lately. And I'm seeing a lot of newer artists playing older music or older style music, and it warms my heart, and I can't wait. I cannot wait to have more and more people to listen to and really appreciate so thank you guys so much i know this has been a long long podcast the longest one i've done however i appreciate your attention your respect your thank you from the bottom of my heart and i really truly mean that i i can't even describe it guys i'm so happy just to got to 20 episodes and I will say it as we always do. I feel like it's a tradition at this point. Keep country music alive, baby. Adios.